I want to preach for just a little while on overwhelmed, but not overtaken. Overwhelmed, but not overtaken. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the preaching of your word, the teaching of your word. Let it be something that grows a garden in us. Let the seeds of God that are planted through this word bring forth a mighty harvest in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Put amen in the chat if you're watching online. God bless you. And um, let's go to Exodus 14, 8 through 13. I had you stay seated because um, we're going to read 8 through 13, which is several scriptures um, long. And this is a beautiful story of the Exodus coming out of Egypt. If you're a little boy or a little girl growing up in Israel in these days, it doesn't take long for you to hear rehearse the story of the exodus of the people of God out of Egypt. And so here is basically the account given in Exodus 14. We're going to begin at verse 8. As they are coming up, they have been released from Pharaoh to go into the promised land. They have been lifted. um, Their slavery has been lifted, and they're leaving. And they are now going to go and worship the Lord. That's what they told Pharaoh. Release us and let us go into the wilderness and let us worship the Lord. But they had a destination, which was Canaan land. They had a promise they were going toward. Amen? So they were released with a goal to head toward the promise. And that's very important that we are released when we get the promise of God in our life. How many know the promise of God is the Holy Ghost? He promised it. We are released from prison when we have the promise applied. Amen? And so we also see this in, very pla- in, in this very place where they're running out. They're going out of Egypt. Some say 1.5 million. Some say about a million. Some, some different scholars disagree on how many people. But we'll start in verse number 8. And it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. They went out strong. Everybody say, I'm going out strong. Yeah, that's, that's what we need to know. We need to know that when God brings you out, he brings you out strong. Amen. And then verse 9, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and, the over, and overtook them encamping by the sea beside whatever that is, Piharoth, I guess you could say that, before Beazilphon, I can't say those words because those are old names of places. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, because they were no, there were no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Everybody say overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed with the pursuit of the enemy. How many know that when the when when the Lord sets you free with a mighty with a mighty hand, the enemy will still come after you? Anybody know that's true? The enemy will try to put thoughts in your mind, will try to depress you, will try to overwhelm you with situations in life. He's not going to let you go freely. 
he's going to attack. And so this is what's happening. This is the picture. And the Bible says that these things are for our example. They, what happened to them physically happens to us spiritually because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. So we know that even if it's someone that has flesh and blood that's attacking us, there is a spiritual lesson behind it. There's a spiritual motivation that the spirit world leads the physical world. Amen? That's what we understand. And so what happened to them physically, we can take lessons that this can happen to us spiritually. And so in verse 11, and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves, he's like, because we did not die there, you brought us out here to build our grave, to put our graves here. And then verse 12, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? Didn't we tell you this was going to happen, he said? They weren't going to let us go, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it has, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They, they were saying it would have been better to stay where we were, at least we weren't dying. And the truth of the matter is, they had greater purpose to live on than that. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today for the Egyptians, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see again no more forever. I think it's very important to know that when God conquers our foes, some of them he conquers thoroughly. When God conquers our enemies, some of them he conquers completely. Amen? And even though we can be overwhelmed in these times, I know there's people that are overwhelmed. I've talked to a lot of people, even some of you online. You know there's people that are just completely overwhelmed with the situation that we're dealing with. But I want you to know that God is not caught off guard by this and that whenever he, we look at the people of, of, of Israel coming out of Egypt, they, they knew nothing more than their past. They knew nothing more than a life of slavery. They knew nothing more than just living day to day. But Jesus had a bigger plan or God had a bigger plan. And, and it's represented in the fact that the scripture tells us that there is a baptism in this scripture. And there is a, a, a reference point in this scripture that they came up against what's known as the Red Sea. Everybody say the Red Sea. And that when they walked through the Red Sea, Moses extending the rod and the, and the waters parted and, and the, the, the ground dried up so they could walk across. When they went across the Red Sea and Pharaoh was on the other side, they said it would have been better had we died in Egypt, but they hadn't seen the miracle of the Lord that was going to happen after the miracle of the Lord that had happened. He had already parted the waters for them. That was amazing. And so they're, they're, they're about to walk across on dry land, and when they, they do that, they don't realize, but the, the type in the shadow, what's going on here is, is that this, this crossing of the Red Sea is a mimic or a shadow or foreshadowing of what baptism is going to do for us in our life. That whenever they walked through the Red Sea, it was a type of them going through the waters of baptism. And you find it in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. And the scripture tells us that as it references the, the Exodus, it tells us, if I can get there quickly, if you're turning in your Bibles, you're doing like me right now. Exodus 10, 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant how that the fathers were under the cloud. Everyone say cloud. And all passed through the sea. Everyone say sea. We'll wait for just a second for the scripture to get on the screen. 
all passed through the sea. So there's two things that were referenced here. Number one was cloud, and number two was sea. The cloud represents the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The sea represented baptism. Everyone say Holy Spirit, and everybody say baptism. Everything that they reference here, we need in our life for a salvation. This was the salvation of the people of Israel coming out physically. Everything we need for spiritual salvation is actually shown in, these, in this picture. And then verse 2 says, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud. Everyone say the Holy Spirit. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the Holy Spirit, or the cloud, and in the sea, or the water. So they reference the understanding that going through the Red Sea was representing baptism, and the cloud that guided them was representing the Holy Spirit. So when Pharaoh tried to go through the Red Sea, he started messing with God's template, amen? And anytime you mess with God's plan, he's going to have to make an adjustment. And so God decided that he would make an adjustment, but he already knew that he was going to because this plan of baptism and infilling of the Holy Spirit was going to be to all people and to all nations. And when we get to the New Testament church, it's poured out upon them and they're baptizing in Jesus' name because that is the picture and the reference and the template all the way back from the children of Israel. So we know, we know, and we're excited about and we are thankful that even though Pharaoh pursued, he died in the sea because he could not go through baptism or he would have to come out the other side of the Red Sea and shake hands with Moses and call him brother. Amen? Because that was the picture. So God got the glory. You read all through Scripture. There's all kinds of cross-references where it says that God will get the glory from, from bringing the waters back and stopping Pharaoh. Pharaoh in Egypt is a picture of your past. Pharaoh in Egypt is a picture of your sin. And when you go through the waters of baptism, everything that was in your life stays on the other side of the name of Jesus. When you call on the name of the Lord, you might be over you might be living in difficult places, but you're not overtaken. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, it can't get through the water. It can't go through the flood. It can't cross over the Red Sea. It has to stop on the other side of the name of Jesus. For that is the reference point in Scripture. And it goes all the way back to Exodus. Jesus himself was baptized. Why would we get baptized? Jesus himself even got baptized. He was one that couldn't, you wouldn't think could be overwhelmed, but he was at times. And he prayed and he went and he was baptized in in Matthew 3 and 14. We see that Jesus was baptized. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan where John the Baptist was baptizing, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and do, you come, do you come here to baptize me? He's saying, I don't, I, I don't need to be baptized by you. you. You don't need to be baptized by me. You're the perfect one. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus replied, let it be so. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, understanding that Jesus did not need to be baptized to remove sin. 
Jesus did it as an example to us. A lot of places where you see in Scripture Jesus doing things, he is actually doing it to fulfill prophecy. He does not fulfill preferences, brothers and sisters. He fulfills prophecy. That's why this pastor preaches a lot about the Word of God in your life. That's why I will reference stuff in the Old Testament that's still the Word of God and try to apply it to the New Testament life we're living right now. Because if I can get you to be impressed by the power and the impact of the Word of God, and get that prophecy into your life. He responds to that word. God lives and moves on prophecy, not on preferences. Amen, somebody. And soon as Jesus was baptized in verse 16, he went up out of the water. Notice that. He went up out of the water. What does that mean? It means he was overwhelmed by the water. It means he was baptized in a place where there was enough water to put Jesus under the water. That is the pattern. That is the place where we are supposed to understand that we need to be overwhelmed in baptism. We are need to go, we need to go into what's known as the watery grave. Amen. I'm a funeral director. Anybody know I'm a funeral director? How many know I'm a funeral director? I deal with people all the time. I do not walk to the edge of the grave that's been dug, and we're going to put the casket down. We put the casket down in the grave. I don't walk over, take a shovel, and sprinkle in some dirt and go, all right, let's call it a day. Let's go to lunch. That would be a derelict of duties on my part as a funeral director. I cannot, in fact, by law, I cannot leave that grave open overnight. I either have to put some sort of covering over it I cannot leave the grave open. Amen? Somebody preach with me. Cannot leave the grave open. And the Bible says that we are baptized or buried with Christ in baptism. So you have to understand that it's a derelict of duty for me to just take some holy water and sprinkle it over somebody if I expect to bury them with Christ. I cannot do that. Not, not only in the physical sense as a funeral director in this life, I cannot do that. But I also would not do that because it leaves the casket exposed. It leaves the person open for robbery, theft, whatever could happen in that cemetery. So what you have to do is you have to completely bury the casket. Amen? If you're going to bury what the scripture calls the body of death, your old man, that old nature, you are putting him to death and repentance, and then you bury him in the waters of baptism with Jesus Christ. You are overwhelming your old man's with the new man, amen? You're overwhelming the old way of life with a new day, a new life, a new hope, amen? So when you bury in baptism, we don't sprinkle with water, but we actually put you under the water. We overwhelm you in baptism so that there is nothing that can ever overwhelm you so much in life that you can't call back to your baptism and say, Jesus has gotten me. Jesus is holding on to me. I've been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. And there's a voice that's higher in my life than the voice of shame and the voice of sin and the voice of pain. There's something higher than the voice of failure because when you get baptized, there is a voice that speaks and it's the voice of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is higher than anything else. The blood speaks better than things than that of the blood of Abel. Hebrews 12, 24 says to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. When you get baptized, you take on a new covenant by the sprinkling of blood that speaks better 
word than the blood of Abel. It was talking about when they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat in the Old Testament. It's not talking about the way that we baptize. In new, the New Living Translation says, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to be sprinkled, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of the forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Amen. The voice of God speaks through the blood sacrifice he gave us on the cross as a substitute for us. Does anybody believe that? Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that I know that he does that. So the major reason to be baptized is for the remission of sin. Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Repentance is what gives you the ability to ask the Lord to forgive you. The repentance is where God has drawn you to him. How many know you didn't come to God unless he drew you? Amen. No man comes to God, scripture says, unless the Holy Ghost draws him. So repentance in your life is done because a voice called you to repentance. Baptism is where a voice calls over you like Jesus Christ where he was baptized here in verse 16 as I'm finishing up that particular scripture reference of Matthew 3 verse 14 or through 16. And it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted on him. And the voice, everybody say a voice. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. That same statement is said over you and over your sin and over your problems. Does somebody hear me preach today? You have a higher voice over your life when you get baptized in Jesus' name. There is a physical and a spiritual activity activity that takes place and the name of Jesus is what is applied and when that blood is applied that blood speaks over your life amen and when you get baptized God places his name and blood on your life now everywhere you go the blood speaks every time you walk into environments you don't know what spiritual activity is going on there. But when you walk into that environment and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and had his name applied and been buried with Christ, when you walk into that environment, you don't even have to know what spirits are around you. You don't even have to know what's going on in the environment. But when you step in, there is a voice from the blood of God that's been applied in baptism that says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. The word son means does not just mean gender. It means my child. So whenever you walk into places, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried about whether or not you have been prayed up or you have the spiritual authority to handle what you may not know is coming at you. Because when you live by baptism, when you live by the voice that spoke you into repentance, that called you into repentance, and now the voice that speaks over your life because you are baptized... And when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there is a voice inside of you that speaks as well. So when you walk into an environment, you've got a voice that says, this is repentance. I'm a repentant child of God. You've got a voice that says, don't mess with my kid because this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. And when you walk into an environment that has spiritual activity, a voice will go off inside of you and tell you there is something going on in this environment. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. 
you need to pray with the power of God, you have to know that there is a voice that's still speaking in repentance, in water baptism, and then the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful that you can leave your shame outside the house of God. I'm so thankful that you can leave your pain and your failures and your difficulties outside the door because it's not welcome here. Here is where the blood speaks. Here is where the name of Jesus is put on lies. Here is where everything that would overwhelm you out there is overwhelmed by what God is doing in here. Amen. And then because it's applied to my life, it is overwhelming me every single day and making me know that nothing can take me out of the hands of God. That voice is higher. Do you hear me? That voice is higher. When we baptize today, we're putting a voice in place that is not only called, but is now saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. See, faith, faith for me, I've been through a lot of different aspects of my walk with God, and faith journey is... Well, I'll say it this way. You can suffer damage because of expectation. You expect things from God. And, and the truth of the matter is God builds our faith through unmet expectations. Because if he gave us everything we thought he should do, we would miss the things that he's planned for us to do. We understand that our, our ways are lower than his ways. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And when God doesn't show up on our timing, we have broken expectations at times. And when those expectations are broken, we can become bitter and we can suffer damage in our faith. And we, as we get older, can start to remove an expecting spirit because we're like, well, maybe God won't do it in the timing or maybe it'll just be another unmet expectation. But God builds our faith through unmet expectations at times. And, and the devil destroys our faith through unmet expectations. So the desire and, the, and the, the reason why I'm preaching this to you while I'm talking about baptism is that you have to understand understand is you choose. You can either choose to have your unmet expectations surrendered to God so that the voice that's applied to your life in baptism can speak a higher plan to you, or you can be bitter about the fact and choose to let it destroy your faith and the devil use it to take you down. Either way, you choose. You have a part in this. You have your own human will. You decide what God does with the places that you have expected him to show up, and he didn't show up on the timing you thought he should. But when you get in those moments, you can actually call back to your baptism because that baptism will always remove sin and errors and mistakes and thoughts where you thought he'd show up in places where you thought you needed him sooner and he didn't make it. But he will show up and he will do a great work. Amen. And some of us can be in prisons of our own making because of unmet expectations. And I want to break that over somebody's life. Your baptism, when you apply Jesus Christ, has the power to break every, every barrier in your life of unmet expectations. And he can give you fresh faith in this house today. He can. And no matter what we're going through here, no matter how much it's affected us, I want you to know that I don't want sickness or the talk of sickness to become my normal. If there's a new normal, it's not that. 
Amen? If there's a new normal, it's that there's a voice higher than every voice that's speaking out there right now, and it's a voice that was applied to my life in baptism. You need the power and authority over your life to help you in every situation. You need God's authority over the shame of sin, yes, but over every other voice that's out there. John 3, 5, you must be born again of water and of spirit. We know the message. Can I teach you why? Real quick, can I, just five minutes and we'll baptize, I promise. Jesus paid for the penalty. Everybody say the penalty of sin. Type that in the chat if you're watching online. Type in penalty of sin. Jesus paid for the penalty of sin, but through baptism and new birth, he handles the voice of sin. Amen? He handles the shame that comes from falling, the shame that comes from sin through baptism and new birth. So that's why he said you must be born again of water and of spirit because you might be born with some bent nature. You might be born with some things where you lean one way and the Bible says that's not the way to live. And in order for you to change and move toward God, you have to understand that he handled the penalty of sin in your repentance because God says it's paid for. Everybody say it's paid for. Your debt was paid for. He handles the pattern of sin in baptism when he said it's covered. Amen? He handles the pattern of sin. How many know that just because you got saved doesn't mean you don't have a pattern of sin in your life that you're going to have to work your way back out of? Hello, somebody. Anybody that's ever been addicted, they know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. Whenever you have let yourself uh, do certain things, and, and it's hard to, re, to remap that in your mind. You already have super highways in your mind that, ru- that run to that particular activity, and you get a serotonin hit, or you, get, or you get happiness from that, because that's what you've made yourself addicted to over the choices and caused habit to become pattern and pattern to become addiction. But in those patterns of sin, even though you have moments where you fail, God said, I will cover it at your baptism. And then every time you fail while you're walking out, not walking in to more addiction, but walking out of addiction, whether you're seeing a psychologist or whether you're going through uh, some sort of help to get your activities changed and your actions changed, he said, I will give you a covering from that one baptism to help you walk out of the pattern of sin. Oh, that's some good preaching, Pastor Jodan. I'm preaching to myself, obviously. I love this. This is my kid, is what the voice says. Even when they fail because they've had a pattern of sin they're trying to walk out of, he still says, this is my child. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he handles the power of sin in the Holy Spirit infilling. Amen? Speaking with tongues. Because we know that they were told to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost handles the penalty of sin, the pattern of sin, and the power of sin and the church ought to get excited about that because there's higher voice speaking and Acts 2.38 bears it out saying that we are supposed to walk through this process. But understand that even though baptism has a voice, it should be audibly invoked in the name of Jesus when you baptize because Jesus wants to speak over your life and he wants the baptism to be in his name. Amen. 
Matthew 28, 19 was where Jesus said, go into all the world and baptize, the, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the name singular is referencing the name of Jesus, that the titles that are used there are different roles of God, but the name was the most important because there's no place in the book of Acts where the apostles that heard that message called on the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost when they baptized somebody. They called on the name of the Lord. Amen. They called on the name of Jesus. And the formula that is expressed in Acts 2.38 takes some dings by people that try to attack the use of only the name and try to say, well, that's Jesus only. But if you look at Acts 2.38, it says, Chi Baptithito. It's actually using Jesu Christu. Acts 8.16 uses Curio Jesu. This is the Greek, the original language. Acts 10.48 uses two Curio. Acts 9 5 uses Curio Jesu. Every single one is using the name. It's not how what word you put before it. It's not what you put in prefix to it. It's a matter of the name is the detergent factor that washes away the sins. You can say be baptized in the precious name of Jesus. You can say be baptized in the overwhelming powerful name of Jesus. You can say be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what comes before or after. As long as you say the name of Jesus. Acts 2.38 literally says that you're baptized upon the name. Acts 8.16 says you're baptized into the name. Acts 10.48 says you're baptized in the name. Acts 19.5 says you're baptized into the name. Understand that even if it's built differently, they understood the message of Matthew 28.19 when Jesus says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They understood that meant whether they said they were baptizing into the name, in the name, into the name. Well, however they said it in scripture, that is not a proof text that the name of Jesus should not be used and invoked verbally over the person being baptized. That is just saying that however you say it, get the name in there. However you do it, put the detergent in. However you do it, make sure his name goes in because that washes away sins. Amen. So not only does it matter what does it not matter what you say before the name, it doesn't matter where you baptize, as long as they can be overwhelmed with water, as long as they go into a watery grave, as long as they go down in water in Jesus' name. Amen, somebody. So the Great Commission was what the apostles saw and heard from Jesus. And they went about baptizing people in Jesus' name name. You know, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10. You go through the book of Acts. We're going through it right now, and we're dealing with all of the different stories that are going on in Acts. But understand that the reason why we use the name is because in that name is all authority, and that authority will last until the end of the world. Amen, somebody. You won't need baptism when you're in heaven. Baptism is for this earth. Baptism is to put a voice over your life. So when you fall, you have a voice that speaks higher. So when all that you hear in your ear from your brain is you're not worth it, you're not good enough, all you do is make messes, all you do is fall down, there is a voice that's higher than you that said, no, you're my son, I love you, you are my child, you need a higher voice in your life. 
And that's why we baptize. The greatest mistake we could make is not to baptize people when we get together. We should shut service down to baptize people. Put a whole new voice in their life that whenever they feel depressed, there's a voice that's saying, you can get up because you're my child. You can deal with this. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. we got to use the name. Everybody say, use the name. Acts 22.16 says, And now why tarriest thou? Why are you waiting? They actually had commanded them to get baptized in Scripture. It wasn't an option like... Get baptized. Why? Voice is higher. Blood is higher. Blood covers. He was using all of those different things. He said, and why tarriest thou rise and be baptized and washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? Jesus. Hey, we may be overwhelmed by a lot of things in this world, but as long as we have Jesus' name on our life, we cannot be overtaken. We cannot be overtaken. And the people of Israel were standing at the Red Sea saying, we're going to die out here. And Moses knew something they didn't. He said, as long as we have God with us, we might be overwhelmed by our emotions and by fears and by everything going on in this world, but there's no way we can be overtaken. Amen, somebody. This is Baptism Sunday. We ought to be excited about what overwhelms everything else in our life. We ought to be excited about the baptism that speaks higher things and better things. Amen. It's time to obey the command and be baptized. Celebrate sins washed away. Anybody want to celebrate sins washed away? Well, that's a couple of you. Anybody want to rejoice in the application of the blood substitute of Jesus Christ? Amen. Let's stand together. Because it's, this is what we believe and teach and celebrate. And all should be baptized in the name of Jesus. There are some that are going to help us today. We're going to apply some water. We're going to sing together. But we're going to go ahead and get ready for baptism. I'm going to do whatever I can to transition this moment so we can do it quickly. If you can stay for baptism, please do. It's great to have the body of Christ gather as we baptize. If you have to go, we understand that. But let's pray together that while we are talking about baptism for one, we remind ourselves of the baptism we've all had. Jesus, today in this place, we want to remember a voice that's higher, that your blood speaks better things than that of Abel, that you have the covenant, Lord Jesus, in our life that says that I'm a child of God, that whenever we got baptized, you called out over us and you're still speaking. Lord, speak over somebody's situation today. Speak over somebody's circumstance. If they've been baptized in Jesus' name, you have a right to have a higher voice in their life. You have a higher voice than their willpower. You have a higher voice than their addictions. You have a higher voice than anything else that's in their life. Because they have been baptized, this is my child in whom I well please speaks over them. So I'm asking you to help somebody to have the courage to get baptized today. If they don't have that voice speaking over their life, they need it. And all the voices and all the noise in this world right now, we sure need a steady voice. We need a consistent voice. We need a powerful voice that speaks higher than the fears and speaks faith, speaks higher than the frustration and speaks hope, speaks higher than that which is being destroyed and, and brings a foundation of hope, Lord God. I pray somebody gets baptized in Jesus' name, buries that old life from that old way and leaves Pharaoh on the other side of the Red Sea that leaves Egypt forever today. In Jesus' precious name, amen, 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 amen. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess.
Jesus Christ is Lord forever. Every knee shall bow. As we get ready for baptism, we're going to come up. We're going to help you get ready real quick. Jesus Christ is Lord forever. We're going to just kind of worship the Lord and get the atmosphere ready for the baptistry. If you can feel every the baptistry, knee shall bow. Great. Can you take every tongue confess. Jesus Christ is Lord forever. Can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop Hallelujah. praising his name. If you want to be baptized, Jesus. you can be by this door right here. If you're interested in being baptized today and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you can meet right over here and we will baptize you today. If you want the voice of God speaking over your life, you can meet right there. My wife Sarah is going there now. You can meet with her if you want to be baptized. If you can hang around for the baptism, please do. If not, you're dismissed. Let's sing some more and worship the Lord together. Can't stop, can't stop praising his name. No, I just can't stop praising his name. Oh, I can't stop praising his name. 